Today's guest on the Keenan Yoga Podcast is Taylor Hunt for the second time. So our second episode brings us together on being a teacher. It's a specific discussion on what being a teacher means and how best to show up for your students. In this conversation, we talk about the various challenges of being in the role of a teacher, how to make sure you don't believe your own hype, whilst having the confidence to teach from what you know, and equally, where we get our inner resources from and the constant necessity to keep checking back on ourselves. Four, it's all too easy to get or go up a blind alley as a yoga teacher without a student or a peer review and feedback. So our conversation is important today and Taylor brings a wealth of experience to our chat, having been involved with addiction until Ashtanga changed his whole life, his whole trajectory. So if you haven't already, please check out his website generally, his book and Trini Foundation, which is his, uh, his project for the recovery of yeah, those suffering with addiction. Treating them with yoga, of course. <laughs> also, don't forget to leave us a feedback, review, or if any of this has touched you at all, please leave a donation. So without further ado, welcome Taylor back to the Keegan Yoga podcast. It's great to have you. So welcome, Taylor Hunt. Really happy to have you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. It's been about a year, hasn't it? We had podcasts. But this is a bit different because we're going to talk on a single... The idea of these ones is that we're talking a single issue. So it's not a hagiography of someone's background, although we could talk a lot more about your background. It's, you know, it's very deep and intriguing. Today, we're going to talk to Taylor about... And you talk a lot on your... I was looking at your social media for a particular... Because I wanted to talk to you just because you have a lot to say. And, um, you know, and some of it's controversial. And I kind of like that, you know being a kind of controversial figure and, uh, and a lot of it's on teaching and teachers and relationship to teaching, uh, you know, a relationship to students. That That's how it came, comes through to me, you know. So I thought, right, let's have a little chat today on role of a teacher, right? So first of all, like what qualifies us in the first place to be a teacher? Like uh, a lot, I put a post out recently on imposter syndrome and I've certainly found that standing up in front of a class and well, I'm no um, paradigm of, uh, you know, sorted outness, you know, say, and um, certainly in my younger years, I felt more of a wreck than the people I was teaching, you know, <laughs> like, you know, so uh, what qualifies us, would you say, to be there in the role of a teacher? And, and, and then what are we teaching? Man, that's a, it's a loaded question. I mean, you know, it's uh, from a bunch of different perspectives. Um, you know, the role of a teacher for me, um, or what I look for as a teacher is uh, that they're a human being and that they're having a human experience and they're real with it. Uh, they don't try and pretend to be something that they're not. And um, they show up as guides, similar to how like my sponsor would show up for me. And so, um, yeah, but the role of the teacher is really to bring us closer to truth, um, to establish healthy relationship, um, to be, um, you know, or to be honest and open and um, create a, found, uh, a foundation for uh, growth for, for, both, for both people um, in sort of like this back and forth kind of way. Um, yeah. And so the role of the teacher is, I think, you know, very unique in the sense that, uh, you know, no one is held like uh, that you have to be 
you know, a, well, I mean, especially not in my case, but like a disciple or you have to be a student or any of this kind of stuff. It's that, that the, it's from this willingness of like that this person has been through a difficult experience or this person is further along in the race than I, I am. And the acknowledgement of that and then saying like, I have something to learn or gain from this person. And that's when the relationship is, you know, um, back and forth. It's back and forth, you know, because the, the teacher is creating this, this, it, it, like this, uh, uh, this format or this uh, sort of, you know, you're kind of like coddling a relationship, building mm-hmm. a relationship. What if, I mean, the people are looking for a teacher. Hey, you don't know. The thing is, you don't know until you know until it's too late. Often, what are the kind of any kind of idea of qualities you might look for a teacher? I mean, you mentioned someone who's not going to control you, or you know, kind of like make sure that you know. Because I mean, obviously, these days, especially with Ashtanga, there you know, you've I mean, I know you've had politics where you live as well. You know, there's a sense of well, these are my students, and I don't want them to go to someone else, and you know, so let's try to try and keep them with me, right? You know, or uh, you know, there are unfortunately many teachers that also abuse their power. Right um, to you know to uh, which is which is uh, totally. uh, such a shame. So how, yeah. how do we find I mean, a, or know, what are we looking for to know you know a potentially open and honest and um, genuinely compassionate teacher to a, a, a teacher who maybe is part you know I mean because we're all all things you know it's not to say that you know it's a bad teacher or a good one but you know certain people may not gel you know may not be right for you. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Like, not everyone is going to be my like a student of mine or, or that kind of stuff. But I think it starts with dialogue. You know, there has to be some sort of boundaries established between teacher and student, of course. But there has to be some sort of dialogue between the two. And one of the big red flags is when the teacher puts themselves up on a pedestal. That's a big red flag. When they're uh, talking about like, uh, you know, that somehow... Um, you know, they're in a, a, a position of power and they're using it for a position of power instead of like the greater good. And so I think it's really important, like, you know, to check your gut, to walk in there, to see if this is a person that you jive with. And I think that people need to kind of test out, test it out. You know, it's not going to happen the first day. It didn't happen like that with me for Shrat. Um, you know, like I, I, I sort of fell in after you know, like I spent a week with him in New York and I kind of like fell in after that, uh, that week. And I was like, I'm, I'm into this person. And the reason why is because he has a family. He was speaking honestly. Um, he was, he was, he was actually struggling in the conference that he gave, you know, it was a very like emotional conference that he gave, um, after, after leg class. And I was like, this is a real human being. And nowadays, like when I'm looking or when students are going into, you know, places, uh, they need to, they, they need to ask themselves those deeper questions. There was a time where like uh, my studio had a teacher that was extremely controlling and gaslighting and all of this stuff. And, and that person is no longer here because it didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel right to the students. It didn't feel right. They didn't jive with mm-hmm. the community. All that kind of stuff. What would it look? I mean, so, what would it look like? We say a teacher is controlling now. I mean, how does that transpire in actuality? Now, I think that it's it's a very fine line because I know that you're a traditional student out of um, Shiraji, and you know you're, you're you're quite particular in how you stop and start people, right? And how does that differ with you know you stop there to I'm controlling you, you stop there. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's a fight. It's a it's a subtle boundary, right? Uh, I'm. 
I'm just thinking well, one, it, one it is a end of control. But like, you know, I, I mean, it, but that's happening together as a team, you know, and it's the understanding of philosophy. When we say like, hey, you should stop here. It's not a judgment of character or any of this stuff. It, it's really like we're doing this as a team. There's a method to this madness that we that we're kind of doing with this yoga. And like, if you listen to me, I've had a bunch of people had success with it. If you don't listen to me, it's okay. But you're probably not going to get the same sort of outcomes as what you had before, you know, but that's much different than a teacher being gossipy, a teacher talking behind other people's backs. You know, I've experienced this. I mean, Ashtanga teachers do this. Like, because that's an element of control, too. Like when you're talking bad oh, behind someone, uh, whether it's in someone's DM <laughs> or on yeah, a podcast yeah. or any yeah. of that stuff. That's manipulation yeah, yeah. and gaslighting and all of this stuff. And that is gross ass behavior. <laughs> I like it. Gross ass. No, I was thinking of two. Uh, I didn't realize. I, right. Okay. That's a shame. I was thinking twofold, right? You know, there's one that's kind of censorious, kind of like, I kind of see it as a stricture, slight stricture around, you know, because, you know, the posture candy thing can be an element of controlling people. And no, you can't do this. Right. And the second is, um, the cliques. I've seen it a lot of uh, teacher or builder in inner circle around them, right? Of uh, certain adept students who will then be the assistants, and then you know, and you feel you feel lesser. You feel you need to somehow earn their place or, or or prove yourself to be in that circle, and then you feel like you know, what do I do? And you know, you see this dynamic a lot. So I was I was thinking of those two capacities, right? Um, yeah, yeah, but I think there's more than that, really. You know, I think there, I think there is more than that. You know, like the teacher can be the source of, of, of pain too, or an assistant, you know, they're gossipy or they shun someone out of a community or they don't feel like they fit in because like these people, you know, are clicky towards this other person. It, I mean, it, and, and none of that should happen. Like, you know, one of the most important things that Ashtanga Yoga Columbus is that what we're trying to do is make sure that there's a healthy environment for anyone, whether they're in addiction or a normal person, can come in and feel safe and work through their issues. And, and if you can't, if the teacher is gaslighting people or the teacher feels like they're manipulating or any of these different things, it, it's an unhealthy environment and the teacher, the, the, the students won't stick around. So like the role of, of me, you know, like I've, I've acknowledged this in my own space, and I, like you have to say no more and you have to like part ways with those people because what you're trying to do is create a healthy environment. And nowadays it's a healthy, it, it, like in my studio, it's a healthy environment and uh, I, I feel good about it. But, there, you know, there's times where I felt like it wasn't. There's times where I felt like it was. And that's just me being 100 percent honest. You know, it's like I travel a lot. And so like I'm trying to I'm trying to do a specific thing with my studio, studio make it safe for the addict to walk in. And if that person, you know, if the person who's not holding the space, um, you know, isn't doing it the way that I feel like it should, or there's, there's gossip or that kind of stuff, it feels gross. You can't do it. You know, it's like Ashtanga already has like this bad rep, uh, reputation, and we're not trying to make it any worse. We're, it's a privilege to be able to teach these people. <laughs> yeah. You're speaking you know? truth there. It's like, but, what the well, yeah, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. But, um, what about, I mean, what about the idea that we're teaching nothing but asana? I mean, there's, there's a, a strong um, 
uh, strong movement these days to be clear you know we're not qualified to teach whether it be you know we're not doctors we're not chiropractors we're not uh, social workers we're not therapists right but I mean then it's just like well are we gymnastic teachers I mean I think that's a tricky one you mentioned making a safe place for addicts and people to walk in you know I mean people come with issues and um, you know so but how do we how do we deal with the facts to 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 not over uh, claim right to not get you know kind of over overly uh, hubristic, but uh, to also be clear that you know it's not it's not just simply gymnastics you know. Yeah, I think that um, it starts with making sure that I'm always using I statements, and I'm speaking from my experience. I, I give a I give a conference every week, and it's always I statements. And if I do say you, I usually correct myself back to I statements. Because that means I'm speaking from my own experience, not because like eh, I'm trying to like, you know, pat myself on the back or puff my chest up. It's like I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience, you know, and, um, you know, I've had a lot of experience with the practice. I feel like it broke me. I feel like it put me back together. I feel like it broke me again, brought me back together psychologically, mentally, physically, whatever, all of those levels. Um, it put me back together. But we are teaching, I mean, we are teaching asana, but we're also teaching, you know, we're teaching the fundamentals of breath with movement and meditation, which is like fundamentally one of the most powerful things mm, that you can mm, do and feel your feelings. Mm. You know, like we're, 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 we're teaching that. So we teach asana, but we also teach like these deeper, subtle things. And then there's also like a personal growth thing that is happening. You know, like watching ourselves get better at something in our life and in, in our yoga practice, we're watching these centimeters, you know, of growth and, and it's awesome. There's personal, um, you know, personal growth with that. And that's another category that I think some people can lean into. And then the last one is like that it's spiritual, you know, that it's a spiritual practice. And like, if you haven't felt that or the intention hasn't been there, then Try and figure that out because it's that has been one of the most rewarding things, Adam, that I have that I've ever felt in my life is to feel like my asana is actually prayers and this deep devotion. That's just act. not a popular kind of vibe to, to bring in generally these days. I think people have, you know, very reticent to put their faith in something, you know, uh, and, you know, to. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm in totally, I'm totally, total agreement with you there. Um, so you, I mean, yeah, I suppose that would lead to my next question is like how one people are obviously coming up, stuff is coming up for people. Um, you know, what do you do with that? Right. I mean, do you point them in different directions or do you, you know, I mean, how much do you give advice? Uh, and secondly, how do you, or do you insert a context around the asana practice to students personally? How much do you get involved in? Well, maybe look at the Gita or maybe look at blah, blah book, you know, like, or, you know, or did you, you know, how, how, where do those boundaries meet? Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, again, I'm speaking from my personal experience and really what I'm trying to do when I, when I teach from people, uh, or, or teach to people, I'm, I'm literally trying to get it so that their mind is open and their heart is open. And when the students ask, where they should go uh, to physical therapy. I'm never like, hey, let me help you figure that out. Um, you know, I'm like, here's a person you can talk to uh, in order to do that. So they're like, I, I feel like my role a lot of times is to be exactly. a resource yeah, that's for great. people, yeah. to connect this network of connect this network of people, and then it feels authentic and good to me. 
you know, like it feels like it's in alignment and, you know, it's like, I can, I can suggest stretches or I can uh, suggest, you know, like uh, maybe doing some therapy on like something that I've had go wrong. Um, but I mean, really, we got to leave it to the, we got to leave it to the experts, you know, and there's plenty of, I, I think the real problem today, and this is like a controversial <laughs> idea, gotcha. um, and yeah. so, but I'll say it is that the, the, uh, yeah, I, I think that the newer teachers nowadays, um, they, they don't have a lot to share because there's not, uh, there's not life experience behind it. And, um, the value of someone like an Adam Keen, a Keno McGregor, a LaRuga, a Taylor Hunt, a Tim Feldman is that there's, that we all have sort of shared life experiences. And then we all have our unique life experiences as well. And, um, there's a lot of depth and value and that's just, that's where it is right now. And as, as the, the kids, the younger people come up and, and teach, I still feel like a young kid really. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like a grown ass man. Do you? Do you? That's good. Oh, that's good. It's good to, good for you. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of it's to do with confidence, you know? I mean, it was all there before, but um, I think there was, I think that the MISO situation, and when you're in MISO, in my personal experience, you know, and um, maybe you have a completely different experience of this, Taylor, and that's great, you know, but I felt that, um, there was a peer pressure to to toe the line and I felt some of the things I might say were untoward and it wouldn't be received well by my social peers, my group, right? And so uh, being a little, having a little distance from, from that, um, you know, helped me speak out a bit more, you know, although it's not contradictory to my love, my love of my story and tradition. It's just, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, it's easy to... Uh, to get to get polemical when you're when you're um, involved in this in this situation, um, so yeah, um, it- totally. I think so. I think so too. There is a lot of politics in Ashtanga yoga, but there's also a lot of politics. Yes, of course. Yeah, and there's a lot of and it, you and know, so, to, um, you know, and, and it's, it's to be important. fair, there's a lot of community as well. So you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a double edged sword. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I t- I tend to look at it like it's a lot, of, you know, because. Ashtanga people and teachers, you know, I don't think that people understand, but like, uh, you know, and maybe this is jaded look and maybe this is controversial too, but, you know, like we're a bunch of lone wolves, you know, and and it's like, I'm not going to let someone else tell me what to do. Like, I'm going to, you know, this is why people like kind of get in this weird, like, hey, they're my student. You're not allowed to teach them or you're not allowed to go to this workshop. And you've had that experience of that, have you? It's so, I mean, that's... Oh yeah. 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 There's, of course I've had that experience. Like, I mean, you know, and that that's rooted in insecurity, you know, like my students, they can go learn from someone else, you know, like they can, you know, I'm having Tim, Tim Feldman come to my studio so that my students can understand like a different perspective and have value in it and, and find the value in it. And so like, and, and I'm not insecure about it because Tim's not Taylor and Taylor's not Adam. And Adam's not Laruga, or and Adam's yeah. not David. You know, I think like, under the, the laws of market capitalism, and at least uh, you know, surely that, that you know, if you've got a good product, as it were, then you shouldn't be afraid to uh, to you know, like a uh, hem hem in the market, right? <laughs> so you should, uh, you know, and people, yeah, people will appreciate yeah, I mean, you. I, I I feel this. I feel this way a yeah. lot. I mean, what about the authorization thing then? Um, where do you see that fitting in? I mean. Um, you know, I mean, and now you're really going to try. Yeah, to of course I am. That's what I've been um, trying to do all along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, you know, authorization, I think, is, uh, is important. And I think it's important because it shows the depth of study. And in, for anyone who has been able to commit themselves to going over to India for three, six, 12, nine, however, 19, 24 months um, in order to get uh, authorization, it means that they have a passion and desire to, um, to be a teacher. That does not mean that they are a good Or oh, that there's not good teachers that haven't been as, as well, right? Because we can't, I mean, we can't say that some people who, you know, kind of mums, who've got kids, et cetera, et cetera, you know, weren't able to do that, you know, and also want to teach Ashtanga. It would be unfair to say that they are, aren't adequate teachers, you know, just because they couldn't go to Mysore, you know what I mean? Maybe they've learned from, from a teacher who's a very good teacher and who, who has been to the source. I think it's something to be said about going to, you know, to... Someone who's been in that kind of that direct transmission of it, and I think that there is something to be said about that. But you know, not everyone can make it over. Yeah, I, I mean, I am not taking away. I mean, authorization um, has no bearing on the people that have the desire to be teachers and do it in an authentically them way. And but, but who are unable or unwilling to go to Mysore, India, that it takes nothing away from them. And I think that the conversation usually goes like, you know, I can't do that. And so I'm not worthy. And I'm not here saying like, you're not worthy because you're not authorized. I'm saying that the, the value of an authorized teacher is really high, in my opinion. But that doesn't take anything away from the other people that are doing it day in and day out that are, are not authorized who, you know, like my best, all of my assistants, um, they are, they're, they're not authorized. And they're some of the greatest teachers there. I mean, there's a couple that I'm like, they're better teachers than I am, you know, that, that are assistants of mine and they are not authorized at all, you know? And so that takes nothing away from this other category of people. You can still teach it authentically. You can teach it traditionally. You can teach it with uh, your integrity intact, it, it's not for everyone. And the authorization just gives this baseline. And the baseline is, is that they're dedicated practitioners. They, they're able, they were able to drop their life and go over there. But there's dedicated practitioners that are in my community that are probably better teachers than, than some of the authorized teachers. You know, I mean, because just because you have the desire and the financial capital go, to go over there, that does not mean that you're an amazing teacher. You know, like and a teacher shows up different, different than just like having the desire to teach that the teacher has the desire to teach, has the skill set in order to teach, has the life experience to teach, you know, has something to share with other people. And, and that could be a category that could be a mom. You know, like who has never been to Mysore, who just practices every damn day, you know, and that's nothing to take away from them. You know, it's two categories, it's two different categories of teacher, you know, it's two, two different categories of, of you know, practitioners. Or, uh, you know, kind of dovetails back into the original question of what's the quality of a good teacher, right? So the qualities are probably consistency, you know, in terms of their own practice, right? You know, life experience, I wish to to help, right, you know, rather than just simply, you know, show, you know, demonstrate their own ability, right, that kind of sincere interest in another human being always helps, right? Um, yeah, and, and the open, you know, an openness to continue learning, you know, so yeah, I mean, these these are qualities that, that are nothing to do with authorization, right? Um, I suppose, 
it, you mentioned a tradition, right? I mean, and, and teaching traditional Ashtanga yoga is high up on your priority list, I think, right? I mean, what what does what does that mean for you? No, you know, bearing in mind that you know, as we know that this tradition is still relatively young, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tradition to me, um, and I recently did a little video on this, um, and I posted it to Instagram because some someone asked about it. You know, tradition to me means that you can teach, um, you teach to the individual. And I think the real problem back in the day is that there was no, um, there was no assistance in the room that was helping Sharat or Patabi Joyce or Saraswati. There was no assistant. And so they were doing it alone. And what happened somewhere around, I think, like mid nineties to like, you know, maybe 2005 or six or something like that, what we started realizing or, or, or giving to people was more dogma. Um, and that everyone's experience is supposed to be the same. And, um, when I went to uh, Mysore in 2010 uh, or 2011, um, you know, like it was one of the, it was like the first time that I'd been there. And uh, Siraswati and Sharat were teaching together because Patabi Joyce had just passed away not too long ago. And so they were trying to figure it out. And there was no assistance. And so no one ever had a bird's eye view of like how Sharat was teaching. They would just take their own experience. And so what I realized is that my second time going back, um, they were outside, they were doing different programs. Sharat was by himself and Siraswati was by, by herself. And um, what I started realizing is that they start incorporating assistance. And on my third trip, um, I went over there for uh, three and a half months. My third trip, I actually got to assist. And it was like one of the first batches that ever got to assist in, in Mysore. Um, and and that, I think it's really powerful because we started understanding that everyone who was assisting, there's like maybe seven or eight of us at the time, Everyone understood the value is because of how it was being delivered differently to every person. Some people got a pass on Kapatasana. Some people got um, a different uh, emphasis on this posture. Some people got third series fast. Other people got it slow. Um, other people, like he was hounding them to get this one detail over and over and over and almost ignoring them until they do it. You know, and, and so we started seeing that that wasn't everyone's experience. It was just this one person. And that took the blinders off. And it said, okay, well, we can tradition for us is not that everyone has to be taught the same. It's that we're learning the same thing in the best way that we can teach that person, you know, or that person can be taught. We're teaching them in the best way that they can be taught. And um, that's a, I mean, that exploded my mind. One of the, the biggest learning curves I ever had was being in that room. And I've got to assist several times now and uh, watching and learning because we're not all doing it the same. We're doing the same things. There's the same components, but we're not all doing the same thing. Some people are getting taught how to devote their lives to it. Other times people are getting you know information of how to open their hips more. Other people are getting the, the acceptance and surrender. And other people are being focused on the details of the practice. Other people are being taught that they're not breathing right, you know, and how do they breathe, breathe right? Other people are being taught what it's like to not be the star of the, mm -hmm. the show. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're being humbled, you know? So there's like, and so that, that really changed everything. You explained that really well. And I think yeah. that, I yeah. mean, I, I made this video 
yeah, made this made this video, and and the video was really like um, me addressing this because that's when our community, the Ashtanga community, shifted as a whole into dogma teaching, into this traditional sense and the traditional it's unfortunate being. marriage of east east meets west, really. So you know, I think we saw it through our own spectacles what you know tradition means, right? And um, yeah, it's never meant literal and rational. Um, you know, kind of pursuit of specific details over in India, right? I mean, you know, look at the look at the Sanatana Dharma, you know, the Hindu tradition, right? Like, it's always been a plethora of different perspectives, you know, grouped, to, you know, in a very broad, in a broad sense, right? <laughs> you know, you can't pin it down, and, and then you know, that, and that goes the same with the Asana teaching, right? I and mean, as you you know rightly said, I mean, it's never been, and I don't think there was ever a pause when it wasn't taught individually. It was just that for some reason we are very blinkered and polarized in the west and we kind of want to find actualities and objective facts and then to kind of apply them you know just kind of objectively so we kind of fit things into these neat boxes which is yeah as you are you know no going to india isn't to is to see those boxes aren't that neat <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean it's like we try to put our western mind on top of a very eastern mindset kind of system of yoga and we say like we want to abide by the rules and the rules are that you need to you're learning the sequence but you're being taught the best way that you can instead of the rules like i have to look like this other person i have to have the same experience as other, of this other person we're all supposed to have the same body shape all of that kind of stuff it's just that's a bunch of bullshit that they like the western people uh, made yeah. up yeah i mean and also for the again for the purposes of controlling an audience back home Right, you know, I've got the, you know, I'm, I'm the one that went there. I'm, you know, I've got everything, I've got everything from the source, and it's exactly this way. And you have to come, you know, because I'm the only one that can tell you how to do it exactly like this. You know, it's a bit of a shame. Um, yep, and that's uh, that's manipulation. It, 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 that's it, gross. It's gross. It's gross. Um, what about um, being put on a pedestal? I mean, you you must have been put on a pedestal. It's a difficult place for a teacher. Um, you know, some some teachers are happy to be up there, but what do you do when you see the students put you on a pedestal? Um, I make a conscious effort to continue right. to step down. That's an obvious it. answer, isn't it, really? But, you know, it's... I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I do. It's, I mean, it's a difficult place, though, because uh, you, it, the tendency is there. We can, you know, we either kind of... I think I did a post that was like, you're either, you know, you're like a fucker or, you know, or, or you know... Well, I mean... Yeah. The, I, I think that the most powerful and helpful thing for me... And I don't think that a lot of people understand this is that um, I have a program of recovery that continues to keep me right sized. And it is very easy to see how someone who was in my position or, you know, um, you know, around the world, they have a big program, they have people listening to them. And, um, and I, and all of a sudden, like it gets into abuse of power, a super ego, all of that stuff, instead of it actually being about yoga. And I feel like the best thing that I got going on is I have a wife who's in recovery. I have, uh, and she works a program. I have a sponsor. I have a sponsorship family. I have people that are literally telling me right. when I'm off track. Yeah. You're off yeah. track. And we don't have a peer. Yeah. That's great. So you have that, that peer review. That joke wasn't funny because it was mean. <laughs> yeah, I have peer review. And like people don't understand that. They think that somehow... Um, you know, I con consciously am stepping off of that because I just don't want people to tell me that I'm, yeah, you're doing good. You're doing good. As I like fall off the cliff, like I would rather have people around me that can, can be like, have an open conversation with me. It's like, 
I don't, I didn't like what you just did there. I didn't like the joke that you made. And the reason why is because, you know, that was an asshole thing to say, or that was a, that was a mean thing to say, you know, it's like, and, and, and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to make a joke like that anymore. Like, thanks for letting me think about that. And, um, or I talked to my sponsor and he's like, yeah, your motives were off. And I'm like, shit, you're right. Okay. Let me, let me make this correction. You know, let, let, let me right size myself. Let me, let me say something positive in my social media. Let me say something positive in my community instead of like, you know, creating a joke or inside joke or being mean to students or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's just that I'm continually trying to be right sized. And that's me having a human experience. And that's me like having a conscious effort of being like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be, I don't want to sit on that mirrored throne. I don't want to sit up on a stage. That ain't me. Uh, the, like the, va- the value in me is I'm actually one of them. And I've been through a really tough time in my life and I'm willing to share and talk about it and be vulnerable. And that's, um, that's, the, that's the power. It's not that I'm up on some sort of throne making like these amazing decisions. It's like, no, I'm actually human. I make so many mistakes. I, I voice my opinion when I shouldn't, you know, like, um, I, I make jokes when, and it makes people uncomfortable, you know, because there's a truth behind it, you know, like all of these things and, and, and it's fine. That's who I am. I want to laugh. Sometimes I want to be serious. Like sometimes I want to be vulnerable and cry. And sometimes I want to practice my ass off. And other times I want to like be sitting on the couch and not doing anything, you know, but like, um, I'm trying to be a real person. You know, and I'm never trying to be up on the stage. And I think the real problem is when someone puts themselves up on the stage, consciously stays up there, abusing power between the students. Like it's not, it's not okay. It can't happen in the Ashtanga community anymore. Like it needs, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you draw the line though between just being a kind of mate, being friends with the student and some kind of, some kind of boundary or, you know, I mean, there has to be some kind of hierarchy, right? Then as, as much as you're the teacher and sometimes, perhaps you might have to say uncomfortable things to people. Otherwise, you're just a glorified cheerleader, aren't you? A yes man, right? Like, you know, just you're doing great and nothing ever changes, right? You know, so it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's a fine line again, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. It is a fine line. And I'm always trying to like negotiate and figure out where the line is. Uh, and, and there's what I realize is that um, today my circle is small of people that I talk to, the people that I consider friends. Not many of them are actually students. It's very small, uh, small thing. And then there's another ring of people that, um, you know, like I would consider like acquaintances. And, um, and then there's other ones who I consider students. And then there's other ones that, you know, like, um, and so I, I, I do draw some lines. I'm not hanging out with all of my students, but I am consciously making an effort to be like, this is, this is not about Taylor. Taylor's done done his work and the, the work continues for him as he shows up every day. But this is about you doing the work and me trying to get the focus instead of it being on me to about this community of people that are inspired by the practice that can show up and be different in the world. Like it's about them. The real problem in, in teaching is that it becomes about the teacher. My community is not about Taylor. Like I'm, I have a, a huge voice. People listen, they, they hear me, all of that kind of stuff, but it's about them. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. about, it's the, the teaching is about them. And without the students, we're not, 
we're not even teachers. That's part of it. Let's be honest. That you know, for for many people, especially those in recovery, they'll see you and they'll they'll you know, and it's great. You know, they'll be super inspired by what you've done, right? As an example, and also as something to have faith in that that can happen for them as well, right? Um, so you know, that's you know, that's that's not a small thing, right? I mean, how and you know, on that note, how do you how do you motivate? You know, you see people. I mean, how and and how far do you go? You see someone dropping off. You know, maybe they're coming a lot. You know, and suddenly they're not really coming much anymore. You know, or, and you know, I mean, do you do you phone them up or I mean, how do you how do you motivate them or do you just leave them alone and let them come to it? What's what's your experience with that and helping you know people stick on program um, with that? You know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I uh, so I make it pretty clear in the talks that I give in, in you know, like I uh, devote time and energy into my students. Like I work with them, I meet with them from time to time. I, you know, like I give conferences and answer questions and all of that stuff. And I make it pretty clear, like when I'm talking, that um, you know the reason. If I do reach out to you, it's that your your presence is is missed, and um, and and sometimes you have to remind the students. Sometimes you have to tell them that there is someone who actually cares about you, who is thinking about you, who wants to continue to help you, and knows that yoga can be a, a positive influence in your life. And I do, I have, I do, and I have reached out to people, and it's because I care. It's not to, um, you know, guilt them into not practicing or that because they're not practicing has nothing to do with that. It's like you're not here anymore. And you like I need you to remember that you're an important part of this community and you're allowed to come in here and be seen or and you're also allowed to come in here and, and have some space and tell me how what I can do to support you and come mm. back in. Here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. some and, you know, like some. Some people, some some people are like, let's do it. Other people are like, I'm not going to do it at all. Really? I'm not coming back, <laughs> you know, and you have to be able to let go of it. What about, I mean, what about dealing with tough students? Do you have any experience or advice for teachers that, you know, struggle with, with relationships with, with difficult students? I mean, they keep coming to the class, but they're reticent to take any information on or, you know, and they're doing it, oh, you know, so-and-so teachers taught them this way. They, they don't really want to, to, to try it your way. You know, I mean, do you have any... Any anecdotes or any any wisdom to share on that for for teachers particularly? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that has helped me is to understand that it is principles before personalities. Um, And what that means to me is that um, I don't have to like this person. Um, We don't have to be best friends. But like, I do need to share uh, principles of integrity and open communication. And uh, regardless of how tough they are, um, you know, like I need to continue to be open. It's my job to keep the door open for them, even though that they are very difficult to deal with. Um, And I I mean, I do that pretty frequently. I mean, and there's times where someone would be like, hey, you know what? I learned this from Kino on YouTube. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that has a great, huge amount of value. But like the feedback that I'm personally giving you right now is maybe different than what the video is actually sharing. And so like right now, like I'm the person who's standing in front of you and it's like, like, let me teach you. Um, And I I think that we're constantly as, as 
teachers trying to make sure that we're kind of asking, do you want my feedback or do you not want my feedback? Do you want to be a student or do you just want to be present in the room? And that is perfectly okay to sort of, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to, to consciously, you know, there's, there's a bunch of people in my actual studio that, um, they're, they're there every day and I can tell that they're not my students. And that's perfectly okay because I'm not insecure about my teaching. And if the time arrives that I can be their teacher or that I can show them something and I can build that trust, uh, then I'll do it. Like the door's never closed mm. to them. It's only mm-hmm. open. Yeah, I think that's definitely something I've learned over the years. Is that you're one, as you say, not everyone has to be a friend. It's not about you know people necessarily liking you as a person. Um, it's about having your integrity. And secondly, yeah, that you can hold space without, and teaching isn't about literally people following your advice, right? You know, the teaching is a lot broader than that. And it's about allowing people space for their own experience and, and trying to contextualize that in a, in a, in a safe and um, affirmative environment, right? Good. Correct. <laughs> Glad we're on the same program there. Um. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the same, we're on the same, uh, we're on the same uh, same deal there. All right. Okay. So, um, what about the philosophy and the God bit? And then finally, I mean, do you, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you know, I know the twelve step program. One of it is to find some spiritual affiliation there, right? I mean, do you, and you know, it's an incredible program if anyone's done any research on it. Um, and uh, and and I know you bring that into into the way you look at the teaching. I mean, do you kind of contextualize what people are doing in the studio uh, and try and try, you know, and try and kind of insert that element, or do you just completely non sectarianly? Dish out the asana and let them let them work it out themselves. I mean, how do you how do you contextualize what you're doing to make it something other than just mat gymnastics? Bad, bad mat gymnastics. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I speak from my own experience when when I'm talking about my higher power, and uh, they have to choose whether or not they want to make their yoga practice about that. And um, it's none of my business to tell them what they should or shouldn't believe. And um, they, everyone basically has a God of their own understanding, whether it be nature or, you know, like a giant red teddy bear or you know, it's like whatever it is, it, it can be whatever you want it to be. It can be Christian. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you mention this stuff in the asana teaching? Um, I mean, I, I think that the real time that I'm able to address like these sort of things is when I do conference, which I do it once a, once a week. And we spend about half hour, 45 minutes and, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm spending, you know, I, I mean, I've spent ample time, uh, talking about my higher power and how it, like I continue to unfold, um, how it continues to unfold in my life. And so I'm not afraid of sharing it, but I'm always speaking from my own experience and I'm never telling them they should believe what I should believe. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting them that there could be this other avenue and that other avenue has to be uh, trekked by them, mm. not by me. What, I mean, you know, just on a personal level, what does, that, what does that higher power mean or look like for you? Um, no one's ever asked me that. Um, so I believe in the universal truths of all of the religions. I believe in the basis of like all of the religions, like have fundamentally, uh, sound philosophies and like loving one another, um, taking care of ourselves, giving time, um, you know, giving, uh, service to other human beings, 
um, showing up in a place of gratitude and living in a place of faith, whether it is a good or uh, if your life is in a good place or a bad place. Um, I also believe in surrendering. Um, I get on my knees every morning um, before I practice and really when I wake up and also when I go to bed and I ask and, and I say thanks for like giving me another day of sobriety. And then I also like um, ask that I align my will with uh, whatever their will is because my will gets me to drinking and drugging and um, and their will has gotten me the last 16 years of sobriety that I have. And so I'm, I'm making this conscious effort to say like, allow me to get out of the way so that you can continue to do the work because my life was shit before and now it's, uh, it's, amaz- it's amazing. And the reason why it's amazing is because I've done the work, but I continue to live in this place of faith and acceptance and great gratefulness and, and that I'm aligning my will with my higher power. And I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how to do that. And I'm always trying to figure out how to be in faith and not to live in fear, because I do not believe that you can live in faith and fear at the same time. Um, you have to choose one. And so um, my higher power um, is something that I do. I can try to connect with on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I find my higher power in my asana practice, um, this deep silence. I also find my higher power in 12-step meetings. I find my higher power speaking to me through other people. Um, And I I find my higher power um, brings into my life the things that I need at the time that I need them. I just have to have open eyes and the yoga practice continues to open my eyes um, so that I can see how these people um, and what is being said, um, how it can best serve me living my dharma, uh, living my path. Okay. It's a nice place to stop. Thank you, Taylor, for wonderful conversation. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on.